You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine there is. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1. O-U-T-D-O-O-R and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether and fully loaded chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. Mic check, one, two, three, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very, very fun and exciting podcast today. We're going to be talking with the one and only Tony Peterson. Uh, You may know him from some of his uh, writings and other content that he puts out about, uh, you know, gear and whitetail hunting and public land hunting and strategy and all that stuff. And, um... I haven't had him on the podcast in, I think, a very long time, so I wanted to get him back on. But, you know, he talks about the same stuff all the time. So I wanted to throw him a curveball when when he's a guest on uh, on my podcast, and we're going to talk about the movie Point Break. And I want you to listen right now to what got... what. I guess the quote in this movie that sparked this idea of what I wanted to talk to Tony about. And uh, here's the quote, or here's the scene, the quote uh, from the movie Point Break. Fear causes hesitation. And hesitation will cause your worst fears to come true. All right. So that's the quote. And fear causes hesitation. Hesitation causes your worst fears to come true. So uh, what the hell does this have anything to do with whitetail hunting? And uh, I think it has a lot to do with whitetail hunting. Hesitation, right? I think a lot of people hesitate when they uh, when they get out to the timber or when they put their strategy together. Um, sometimes they, they don't hesitate enough. Sometimes they hesitate too much and ultimately it costs them an opportunity at, uh, or, you know, at a, probably a deer of a lifetime, uh, or just a deer period. And, uh, I've been down that road several times before. So I throw this, uh, this scenario at Tony and Tony does a really good job of breaking it all down. It's a really fun episode, um, where we don't beat to death the, you know, sit downwind of a bedding area type hunting strategy talk. Right. Uh, I wanted to keep this light entertaining and, and throw some, some new, uh, energetic questions at him. So today we're talking about how Point Break the movie with Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze influenced this podcast. So I hope you guys, uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. So you know the drill. Um, to keep this podcast free and to keep it, um, you know, you know, I got to make money just like everybody's got to make money. And I'm doing this full time now. I got I, I I really appreciate it if you guys would sit and listen to these uh, these short minute, minute and a half uh, uh, commercial block that I do uh, with the uh, with the people who support this podcast. First one today is Ozonix. Um, a lot of people out there say that Ozonix is a gimmick. Uh, I'm going to pull my bullshit card. It's not a gimmick. It is the real deal, and I have had a ton of experiences behind me uh, where it is a product that is completely underrated. Do you need it to hunt deer? No, you don't. But if you are the type of person who 
every second in the tr- in the tree stand or ground blind matters to you, this is a fail safe, right? If a deer gets downwind to you, this will protect your backside, so to speak. It will clean your clothes in their dry wash cycle outside of the um, outside of the hunt back at the house, right? So not only does it have the functionality in the woods with the O3 distorting your scent. Uh, cone it also kills bacteria and odor on your clothes during the dry wash cycle back at the house so what i'm gonna say is go to ozonicshunting.com and read up on all the functionality of o3 i'm telling you it heavily outweighs any um, um skeptics out there so go educate yourself and then make it uh make a proper decision um so ozonics if you do decide to purchase a unit enter the discount code nfc21 nfc21 and you will get uh, a free dry wash bag with your purchase of any unit next is the excalibur cross uh crossbows um uh, this is like a, a foundation it's one of those uh hunting uh, hunting companies that is a foundation company. It's been around for like 30 years or more. It is uh, a, a tried and true tested product. And, and although I don't use a crossbow, I know the people that work for the company and they are serious about helping others get into the woods and enjoy hunting, right? And uh, crossbows are... Uh, are a great introductory tool for people who maybe haven't hunted or are starting to get up there in age and still want to uh, still want to hunt. And uh, so the the design and engineering behind them, the people who work there, uh, you know, you can go to YouTube, you can check out the videos of them throwing it out the back of a truck, dragging it behind a four wheeler, throwing it off a grain bin, putting a bolt in it and firing it downrange and uh, nothing moves on it. So it's, uh, it's pretty impressive to see a product that durable and we love durable products and we love awesome customer service and we love companies that stand behind their product. So if you want more information about the new twin strike crossbow or any other crossbow, uh, from Excalibur, visit excaliburcrossbow.com. Then we have lone wolf or no, no, wait, 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 wait. We have Exodus. I forgot Exodus trail cameras. And I say this every time um, they give me these write-ups to read, right? And I don't like to read the write-ups that the companies give me because it sounds too cookie cutter. And they're just like, hey, do this, this, and this, and then do this. And then, hey, guess what? Blah, blah, blah. And it just sounds like I read it and there's no passion behind it. But I've been using Exodus trail cameras ever since they came out. Right. I think I have one of the very first runs of trail cameras that they ever they ever put out and it, they're still in the woods working right now. Right. So not only that, but this is why I love the company and this is why I continue to buy their trail cameras and support them. And and they support me is because of this. You turn on their trail cameras. They will work. There's confidence behind that right i have this confidence because there's nothing that pisses me off more than running a trail camera and it's it doesn't take pictures that's all i want i just want a trail camera to take pictures and exodus does that right not only that but they have this awesome five-year no bs warranty um you should read up on it basically they're they're pretty much saying hey man we're so confident in our products we feel it's going to last five years if it doesn't here's how we can get you a new camera and it's at a discounted price so um exodusoutdoorgear.com go check it out um check out their five-year no bs warranty check out the the trek check out the um the lift check out the render all their you know the render is their new cell cam uh just quality quality products quality quality people uh and the last my my how do i put this my second arm or my third my second arm my third arm or my third leg or my extra appendage lone wolf portable tree stands lonewolfhuntingproducts.com dude if you're looking to take the next step and get off the field edge and become mobile you need to pick up a lone wolf tree stand period right it is one of the best tree stands on the market 
it allows you to sit in crooked trees and that means that you're in the right spot not a close enough spot right crooked trees lots of branches you don't have to sit there and cut all day um, you don't have to sit uncomfortably in the tree stand these they have a leveling system it's a, a leveling design to where if the tree's crooked forward backward side left right you can adjust your tree stand to be level and that is huge when you're trying to sit all day long or for lots of hours during the rut so for more information visit lonewolfhuntingproducts.com and at checkout to save fifty dollars enter the discount code 9fc21 and you will save fifty dollars off of all purchases over two hundred dollars so if you buy uh any uh, four four sets of sticks or you buy a tree stand or a climber or whatever anything over two hundred dollars you get fifty dollars off nine fc21 and that's it ladies and gentlemen if uh if you have any questions about these products that I, i use hit me up on instagram i'd be happy to talk to you a little bit about them and now Let's get into this uh, totally gnarly, radical, point break episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles with Tony Peterson. Three, two, one. All right, on the phone with me today, Mr. Tony Peterson. Tony, what's up? I'm just uh, sitting in my office, buddy, waiting... uh... Waiting to go out tonight and have some more fun, yeah. <laughs> get some work over with. But I'm, I'm excited for this. I've been waiting by the phone forever for you to call, man. <laughs> oh, me? Just pretty old me? <laughs> uh, that's that's not, nice of you to say. I know that you've uh, been doing a lot of podcast, t- like uh, podcast talking and, and you know, um, doing a lot of the intense strategy type conversations, you know, on a variety of different podcasts and whatever. So I'm like, I'm going to try to make this episode as authentic and fun for you as humanly possible. Um, but before we kind of get into the curveball, which end, which might actually be a, a, a bean ball. So like, if I, if I smoke, yeah, I'm sorry. I, like, I, I, I don't want that to happen. It's okay, buddy. I'm I'm game for whatever. Man. <laughs> okay, okay. So how old? First up, first question. How old are you? Forty one. Forty one. Okay, I'm forty. Um, so you've been hunting a long time, and you've you know harvested, you killed a lot of animals throughout those years. Um, is it still the same level of excitement and uh, uh, like getting geeked out over whether it's gear or strategy or you know like looking at maps as it was 20 years ago uh yes and no man it's it's a i get excited for different stuff now it's all you know i used to just be uh you know blind idiot running toward the woods man like i was just like i just want to get in a tree and i want to hunt and i want to be there and now i mean you know how this is when you when you hit a certain age and you got kids and you got a lot of responsibilities you look you look forward to the time in a different way. Yeah. Like it's still really awesome, but you know, like you're only going to get so much of it. And so you, a lot of my focus is just like take care of family and, and work and life. So I know when I get there, I'm going to get the most out of it. Yeah. And so I don't, you know, I, I can sleep just fine now. I don't get so excited that like I I'm, I'm up all night thinking about it, you know, like it's, I'm not at that stage anymore, but I feel like I enjoy hunting more now than I ever have in my life. Right. Right. With cuz I I feel I feel the same way. So let me ask you this. What has changed, right? Like when I was in my 20s and even 30s, man, I was like, "Let's go hunting." You know, and just go bananas like, you know, uh, up all night looking at maps, you know, hunting is hard and and just going balls to the wall. And then I realized I can get the same results by just slowing down a little bit and not going as, as hard. So like, when did that kind of change for you? Oh man, I've, I've had a couple times in my life where that, that message has just kind of hit me right over the head, dude. Like I've, I've gone through these phases where I've been just trophy, 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 and got to be out there every second. And this just kind of guerrilla warfare on the deer. And I just learn I don't enjoy it. Yeah, like it's that's not a fun way for me to hunt, and so I've sort of sort of just found this lane where I know what I enjoy 
I like, and it, it might be super challenging. It might not, but I, I know what makes me happy out there. And that, that changes everything. Like, yeah. you know, you know, when you're going to go do something you really love and it's not just like a means to an end. Like I'm not just out there just like, I got to kill the biggest buck on this chunk of public land when I'm just like, man, I'm going to go try to figure these deer out and I'm going to, you know, I got four days to do it or five days and I'm going to enjoy every sit and enjoy camp at night with my buddies. It's a different, it's just a different thing. And, you, and you're right. Like, I think the message that we portray and especially you know, like the big buck BS is like, yeah you gotta be so hardcore and yeah you know if you don't if you're not you know blood sweat and tears over whitetail bucks you're nothing like that's yeah it's stupid like you don't you don't have to do that you can have fun at this and if yeah. you are having fun you'll make better decisions yeah that's a fact i think i think you're right because at some point if you're going too hard that's when like the stress and the like the second guessing really kind of creeps in and then you're you're not fluid with the moment and you're just overthinking everything. You're just like, oh my God, I got to have, I got to have this. I got to have this or nothing. And, and sometimes, and for me, even just walking into the woods, putting myself in the best possible position and then sitting back and waiting to see what happens without any type of stress, enjoying nature and just chilling is where some, some of the times where I've had my best results. Yep. So yeah. when you, when you kind of have that trust in the process and you feel like you've done enough to have some faith in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. It's real easy to sit back and let this stuff play out. Yeah. And when you're in that position and you don't have that second guessing coming in, or I should be here, I should be there, you know, or I got camera pictures of this, this buck here. There. Like when you, when you can relax, just trust yourself a little out there. It's freaking fun, man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here comes the curveball. All right. And, uh, <laughs> um, so one of my favorite movies of all time, and is Point Break. Have you seen it? Oh, of course. Okay, dude. I love that movie. It's one of those <laughs> movies where when it's on TV, I will stop and wherever it's at in the movie, I will finish I'll finish it. Right? So, there's only a handful of movies that that get me there, but there's a scene where Patrick Swayze's character is in the van with um uh Oh shit. Uh, Keanu Reeves. Ke Ke yeah. Keanu Reeves. And he knows, he already knows he's an FBI agent and he's like, I am an FBI agent, right? Like there's that, but right before yep. that, so there's the scene, but right before that, he says something, he says this quote, fear causes hesitation. Hesitation causes your worst fears to come true. And I, it just kind of, it's like, it sunk in me. And I was like, that can be related to whitetail hunting because I feel, and I, I, I want to get, I want to get your thoughts on this. If you hesitate, right. For too long and overthink things, you're done. You, you miss an opportunity. Um, so my question to you is with that quote, and maybe you can, you know, go back to some past experiences where you failed because you hesitated, um, Talk to me about how, like, what, what are your thoughts on hesitating for too long in, in the whitetail woods? Man, I love that. So I think that I, I've talked about this quite a bit, but I think that the way you put that there, that you, you frame that up, fear crushes a lot of whitetail dreams, man. And it, people, people really get into this kind of paralysis by analysis situation where they're terrified of screwing things up. Yeah. And I honestly think it's because we internalize this bullshit we've been told by the hunting industry that, you know, old bucks are a different creature and you can't screw up once or they'll be gone. And listen, like, yeah, some of them are hard to hunt. Like, I, I get that. Like, every situation's different, but they're rabbits with antlers. Yeah. Like, we, we're giving them a lot of credit when maybe they don't really deserve it. And it's, it's really affecting our decision-making process. And right. I think, you know, I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons I'm such a big fan of just traveling to random States and hunting public land. Like if I show up somewhere, I don't care if I screw up. Like I, I know I'm going to walk into areas and I'm not, I'm not carrying all this baggage and all these years of hunting and you know, all these months of trail camera photos. I'm just like, I don't know. It looked pretty good yeah. uh, when I was e-scouting and I'm going to walk in there and you, you make a lot of mistakes, but you don't, they don't carry as much weight. You're not that worried about them. And you see that that kind of cavalier attitude of just like, I'm just going to try this and see it pays off. 
Yeah. And so you kind of, you, you like, there's two ways to get through that fear, you know, like you, you kind of don't bring it with you to some extent, but you also do things you wouldn't normally do. And you see the deer respond to those, or you, you know, sometimes you kill big ones on public land. You're like, why Th- this shouldn't probably have happened. It's like yeah. October 5th and I shouldn't, but you kind of shot your shot and it worked out. And yeah. the, I think those moments, not, you know, not just, we always talk about killing deer, but like just going out someplace when you're not supposed to see one and seeing one yeah. is a huge win. Like that teaches you a lot. Yeah. Do you, do you happen to have a, a past experience, whether it was recent or several years ago where hesitation kind of kicked you in the butt and it caused you to, to miss an opportunity? Oh man, probably a billion yeah. different times. Uh, you know, I think that the easiest example, maybe not in the whitetail world is, you know, you, you've hunted mule deer, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, when you come from the whitetail world and you go hunt mule deer, it's really easy to get into that mode where you're like, I'm just going to watch them till I get that like perfect bedded buck and I can yep. sneak in there and you, you might not ever make a move in a week or you might get like two stalks, especially if you go with pretty high standards. Yeah. And you know, if you hunt with somebody who's like, man, I don't know how to mule deer hunt. I'm just going to go stalk everyone I see they have a blast and usually get a shot at some point. Right. And so, you know, I've, I've seen, I've been on both ends of that and it's, it's taught me, you know, some of the Western hunting has taught me that like, man, if you're, if you're in the moment now with this critter and you kind of don't try to make something happen or you play it super safe, your, your whole vacation hunt's gone and you really didn't do much, but sit there and stare through a spotting scope. Yeah. And that I carry that home with me. Like I, I kind of feel Maybe this is super weird, but I think to be a better whitetail hunter, like there's, there's a lot of ways to do it, but I think being an outdoor generalist who's just open to whatever makes you better at all of this stuff. So like, I know you love to fish. I love to fish. Like it might seem like a stretch to go target smallies on, you know, pool 10 of the river down there. But when you're figuring animals out, critters out in the wild and, you know, letting all these different conditions of the day factor in there, you're getting, you're getting better critter sense. And it's, that's going to feed your whitetail hunting as well. Yeah. So that, that brings up a good point. A lot of people try to have like, how do I put this? I've learned a lot through my 30s, early 30s, late 20s, where I saturated the woods, right? I was in the woods a lot. And that means the more time in the woods, the more experiences I've had, the more times I've failed, the more times I've learned from mistakes, the more, just more of everything, right? And then we have people who they want to get better, but they don't dedicate the time it takes to have all those failures. So they're looking for shortcuts, and in and, and any, any way possible. Do you think that there are shortcuts available aside from the time spent in the woods and, and learning the critters and learning how wind moves through terrain and just experiencing everything? Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> and I say that like sheepishly because I've been selling hunting stuff to people for <laughs> ever since I got in the industry, you know? Like, I think there are little things that make hunting better. And, you know, I mean, obviously, if you're going to pick up a compound bow released in 2021, it's going to be better than a bow from 1989. Like, there, there's advantages to stuff, right? Or clothing. Yeah. Lots of stuff out there. It makes it makes it easier. But I don't think there's any shortcut to becoming a good hunter. Like, yeah. I just don't. It, it takes experience. And, you, you know, you kind of got to look at it in two different ways, right? Like, a lot of the people we get hunting advice from have really good spots to hunt or maybe one really good spot to hunt. And they, they kind of became a master of that spot. Right. And you know, a lot of that's, you know, because they have control of it or whatever. And that's okay. Like a lot of the audience I'm sure has one place they hunt. And so getting really good at that spot, that's not like a bad goal. Like that, that's just your thing. But I really think to become a better hunter overall, you got to go experience new ground. And it's not, it's not just whitetails, right? Go, go on that mule deer hunt, go hunt turkeys out of state do more stuff out there and you'll level up yeah i agree 100 percent um so kind of going back to the 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 world of hesitating right i find that i've in the past i used to hesitate mainly for 
tree stand sets, like on a running gun, right? I'm sitting here in my truck. I'm looking at the wind. When is it going to shift? Uh, is there a front coming through? All those things. And it's, it caused me to stay out of, stay out of the woods. But then there's also a variety of other types of, I don't know, hesitation that could possibly lead to pro- procrastination. Um, in the past, when it, when it came to hesit- hesitation, you know, for let's just say your strategy or your approach to hunting, what were some of the big hesitation moments that you had to like identify and say, Oh my God, dude, I'm just ruining myself here. Oh man, you name it. The lull, the wind, the rain, hot weather, cold weather. I mean, when I, when I started really kind of focusing on public land and traveling a lot, you kind of realize like if you only have a few days, you can't take a morning or an evening off. Like you can't, I mean, maybe you can come back and grab a snooze in the middle of the day or something like that, but you probably shouldn't. You should probably go in and looking at something else. And so you, you, you become like hyper aware of the limited amount of time you have and you can't control the weather. You know, you can't control the other hunters. So you, you might get out there and you were expecting this beautiful front come through and cool things off and it just didn't get to you yet. And it's, you know, 90 degrees by 11 o'clock in the morning, like you can't not hunt. Yeah. So you got to go. So you got to figure out how to hunt those conditions. And I just, I kind of put myself in a lot of those hunts where I started killing deer when you just weren't supposed to. Yeah. And I just realized, I'm like, man, a lot of this advice is coming from a place where people can afford to wait or they're too scared to do anything about it. And if you put yourself in a position where you don't have a choice, you just kind of figure out that some of that stuff doesn't really matter. And it's, you know, it's, it can be somewhat situationally specific if you're dealing with a lot of hunting pressure because I think hunting pressure, it overrides everything else. Like yeah. I think I think their survival in that situation is that that's, that's A number one, man. They're like, okay, how do I not get shot by these idiots walking all over with bows? Like that's that's their thing. Everything else is secondary. So moon phase, weather, you name it. And so if you get out there when people aren't there or the, the, the hunting pressure has been really – you know, halved or quartered, or you're, you're dealing with 10% of the hunters that you normally would because of some weather event or seasonal timing, those deer are going to move more and you're yeah. going to get your chance. And so you kind of learned that, you know, I was, I, I, like, I was like a lot of hunters, you know, I wanted to use these as excuses to not go. Cause w- after all, what good is it going to be? And you learn that in some situations that stuff's just not true. And, you know, some hunters might have that that spot where they can afford to wait and they, you know, nobody's going to go in there. And if the, you know, if it's 90 degrees today and it's going to be 60 tomorrow. Yeah. If you can wait, that's not that, that's probably not a bad reason to hesitate, but a lot of us use that as an excuse Excuse, when we probably shouldn't. Yeah. That's yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So when it comes to, um, let's just say getting out there and, and, and as far as pressure is concerned, when did you learn or how did you learn to effectively hunt either like adapt to pressure or hunt around pressure? Like what you just mentioned. Um, man, I never had a choice. You know, even when I was growing up, we just hunted public land or we hunted uh, permission based private and we just always dealt with other hunters. Yeah. And so it was kind of even, even, you know, back when I started like, I couldn't kill a deer to save my life. Like I was, I had no clue what I was doing, but that was always a part of the conversation. And so when I started really, really focusing on public land, when it was kind of a business decision as a, as a freelancer, I was in a, you know, I didn't have kids yet. You know, I was married, but I had, I had a lot of freedom. And so I could structure my schedule to really avoid that and kind of, kind of take most of it out of the equation. And then, you know, I put a couple babies in my wife at the same time. And all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> dude, you're a weekend warrior again. And yep, yep. you've got half the time you used to, or, you know, I used to leave and just tell my wife, like, I'm, I'm heading to North Dakota. I'll be back when that tag's filled. And I did that. And then it was all of a sudden it was like, okay, now you're leaving with two babies at home and you got four days and you got to learn to work around that pressure. So I kind of I kind of went both ways with it and kind of reverted back to growing up and just really factoring it in and going, okay, where's the access? When are the times most people are going to be out? Where are the places most people are going to hunt? And just trying to really kind of, you know, I mean, it's, it's simple advice that everybody who hunts public land gives, but it just, it really kind of forced me to go, 
where are people not going to be? Because that's yeah. where I want to start. And usually that place or those places just coincide with where the deer are going to be. Yeah. You you also mentioned the the word lull. And for some reason, I hate that. Like, I don't know what your stance is on it, but I disagree with the lull. I hate the lull. I hate anybody who uses the term lull. Like, it just gets under my skin to the point where... Um, I never, but I never used to hunt mid October really, right? I would put all my eggs in the basket for late October. But what happened was people started using this and I disagreed with it so much that I started being aggressive in mid October and I had some really good encounters with people or with, with people with deer in that quote unquote lull time frame because I just wanted to prove everybody wrong, yep. right? Is did you ever um, talk to me about what your thoughts on this lull time of year, this mid-October uh, time of year is? And did you learn to hunt around that? Did you not hunt? Did you do like make aggressive moves to just put yourself in the right position? Like walk us through that. I, I, dude, I'm with you. I, I, I think it's BS. Like I don't. I think that we think the lull happens because yeah. we sit the same field edge stands we sat in September. And we don't see the deer anymore and we just go, well, they're not moving. And I, you know, I, I grew up hearing about it, but I, I grew up in Minnesota. And so my hunting, if I didn't kill a buck in the back half of September or in October, I couldn't count on the rut yeah. because our, our gun season starts so early. So I didn't, it was never like, well, just take three weeks off in the middle of October. Like that'd be half of my season, yeah. you know, or, you know, half of my pre gun season or, you know, gun hunting season, the stuff that mattered. And so I always hunted through it. And, you know, some of the first bucks I killed that I actually mounted when I actually started to figure some stuff out were in that time frame. And then when I started traveling to, uh, you know, chunks of public land, wherever I started to really see a lot of deer and kill a lot of good ones in October when you're really not supposed to. And I just like, it, it, it was just not easy field edge stuff. You know, yeah. it was staging areas and it was getting in the cover. Cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of transition going on there, but it's not, it's not like those deer are sitting there. I hear that dog barking upstairs. Yeah, that's all right. That, that's exact. <laughs> so your daughters are home. Yep. That, but that'll, <laughs> that'll stop in just a second. That's all but right. it, so anyway, I just, I just hunted anyway. I, I, I love to hunt. Yeah. And so growing up in those situations, like it didn't, I didn't really feel like I had a choice. I'm just going to go. And I learned when I was pretty young that like, man, I don't know. People are talking about this thing, but it doesn't, I, I can still see deer and I can still occasionally shoot them and you're still out there with a chance. And mm -hmm. so I don't, I'm with you hundred percent on the wall, man. Yeah. We're, we're in lockstep there, buddy. Perfect. Let's talk about another uh, thing like, okay. I'm trying to think of uh, like excuses or, or reasons to get into the woods. And, and one of them for me that, I, I'd laugh at because just when I think I, I, I agree with it, I then instantly disagree with it. And that is moon phase, right? And I've never put moon phase into my equation of whether I should hunt or not, because I've always, for the, unless I was unemployed, single, or uh, pretty much unemployed and single, uh, um, my... I'm not going to use moon phase to say, well, I better not go out tonight, you know, on a weekend when I have to go back to work on Monday. Right. Yep. So, so what's your, what's your thought on moon phase? And does that, should that play into an average Joe's hunting equation? Uh, man, I don't pay attention to the moon much. I mean, it, it it's not, let, let me put it this way. The moon phase has never kept me out of the woods or brought me into the woods. Like I might think about it, you know, I might think, oh, it's full moon and on this date, it, you know, it might not be as good, but it, I'm still going. Yeah. And so I would say the only, the only time I would really consider it is if I was, you know, like that, that example that you're talking about there, if somebody's like, oh man, you know, I, I got to take five days off and I could take five days off, you know, the first five days of November, the second five, and one of them is going to be right on the full moon and one of them isn't. I would maybe, maybe consider it then, but probably not. It's yeah. not, that's not my thing either. Yeah. So we've talked about moon phase, you know, as a, kind of like a gimmick or whatever. We've talked about the lull kind of being a little gimmicky. 
Um, what are some other pieces of advice that you hear maybe whether it's on a, a podcast or on a television show or uh, any other content coming out of the hunting industry that you hear and you almost cringe at? You're like, God, that's so stupid. Don't don't listen to that piece of advice. Weather. Weather. Anything related to weather, man. Yeah. Like, I I don't know how many times... I, you know, I've heard people say it's too hot for deer movement or too windy yeah. or too rainy. And I, you know, I guess the, the, the best example would be, let's say it's, you know, November 7th and it should just be banging. Right. But it's 75 degrees and it's hotter, you know, it's 20, 30 degrees warmer than normal. And people will just say, no, it's not going to happen. And I always just think like, I don't know, man. If there was a doe that came into estrus out there, you think those bucks aren't going to chase her? Oh, like, yeah. you think they're not going to make a run at her? Yeah. Or do you think they're not going to go <laughs> find, uh, you know, some some kind of creek bottom or something that's a little cooler or s- some situation that they have that microclimate working in their favor and still keep looking? Yeah. And they they just do, you know? And it's the same thing with, you know, really windy conditions and people say well the deer won't move it's too windy i'm like if that were the case in states like kansas they'd never move it's freaking windy all the time you know and when you you know this when you go out and hunt those conditions you see deer like you you can kill deer when you're not supposed to and it's because they're out there and they still have to eat and they still have to drink and they still got to try to make babies and they're doing the things they're going to do you know they might be a little more cagey in the wind or you know they might not be just running quite as hard if it's 70 degrees versus 30 but they're going to be out there doing your their thing and you've got your chance yeah yeah uh and the more the more that i look at all of this right i pay attention to it less the the only thing i really look at when i go hunting is wind direction and that's just going to kind of tell me where i'm going to like what terrain features or or what areas i'm going to go hunt is it just based off the wind but yep. it's not going to ever keep me out of the woods i mean especially for an average joe who man he's been let's just say he's a guy who pours concrete and the only thing he's thinking about the last two weeks of october is getting out and taking his one week of vacation in november that's all he's thinking about like none of that should impact whether he goes out or not yep so yeah. i don't know yeah i, I mean I, I, I kind of look at it this way, like, yeah, it might not be as enjoyable to hunt when it's hot or it's super windy or it's raining or something like that, but it's, you, you just have your opportunity to get out there and learn and observe and, and make something happen. And it always reminds me, like if you ever fish bass tournaments or I, I guess you could probably call it walleye tournaments or anything, but when you fish tournaments, it's, you know, let's say you're on the river and the water's falling or the, the, the water's coming up because it's been raining like crazy. And half of the field will be taken out just mentally because they'll go, oh, my God, the water's going to come up a foot and a half in the next three days. Those bass aren't going to know where to be. They're going to be so hard to find. It's going to blow up my spots. And yet they're going to be folks out there who just go, okay, we know the water's coming up. They're going to get on a hard bank. Maybe there's going to be some timber or something on it. They're going to, they're going to, like, they're just going to use that to inform their decisions, Absolutely. right? They're not going to, they don't, they're not going to mentally check out and go, this is, this is beyond something I can overcome. And you know, somebody's going to catch a big bag in those tournaments, maybe, maybe several, several guys or several teams. And they're just taking what mother nature gave them. And they're going, okay, this is what I know about bass living in the river. This is what I'm going to do. I mean, you, you yeah. can do the same thing with whitetails. Like, yeah. you know, you might not hunt the same spot, that you would if it's going to be super hot or super windy or something, but you can just, you just factor that in and go, okay, where, where do I need to go to make this, to use this? Yeah. Another example of hesitating, causing you to fail. Big time. Yeah. Big time. Yep. So let's, uh, let's talk about other places people might hesitate and maybe it's not a strategy thing. Maybe it's uh, a preseason or a postseason type of hesitation. Um, is there anything that you can see, uh, preseason scouting or postseason scouting or shed hunting or, or, or living that 365 type lifestyle where people hesitate and they miss opportunities? Uh, I think if you're talking scouting, I think it's just not going enough, Yeah, you know, and, and those times the, you know, the winter scouting is so valuable, man, just learning the lay of the land and, and checking out last year's sign. It's just, 
it's just worthwhile to be out there and get a little bit, get a little bit more woodsmanship. But I, I really think like, if you want to talk about, you know, hesitancy and, and what we're really talking about is just like your, your mental blocks, you yeah. know? And I think, I think that's the hardest part. I think we're in a weird, we're in a weird state with whitetail specifically where, you know, for a while there, kind of everybody who has given out hunting information, you could look at their situation and go, well, yeah, the, the place they're hunting is, is playing a huge role in their success. You know, they might be great hunters, but they're also hunting places that are great. Like, and so you could kind of divorce yourself from that. But today, you know, we can pull up Instagram and see people killing big bucks on public land all over. And I think a lot of people look at that and go, I, I don't even know where to start with that. Yeah. Or like I, you know, I'm hunting X state or Y state. Like I've never seen a 120 inch buck on the hoof and these guys are killing 200 inch deer. And I think it's really just kind of about like, okay, you, you just haven't yet. Like, it's not that you can't mm -hmm. do this stuff. You just haven't yet. You got like, you got to believe in yourself a little bit. Like this is this, sometimes we make this seem like it's way harder than it is. And I'm not yeah. saying it's easy. Like, I mean, I know there's places like I've hunted them where it's, it's freaking tough, but you, you have your chance. Like you have your yeah. chance to get out there, but you kind of got to believe that you could make this happen. And it's not going to be, you know, like you're not going to listen to some idiot like me say something. And then all of a sudden you're going to be like a good hunter now. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like I want to, I, I want to encourage people just to get out and experience this stuff more and just like take their lumps and start to learn and get better and do, do this long game stuff. Like it, because you can get there. It's just not that easy. It's like yeah. everything else that's worthwhile. You know, you want to get in shape. Like it's, that sucks, but yeah. it's worth it. Yeah. So I, I want to hear your thoughts on this because I, whenever I go out and I say, okay, I'm going out tonight, I'm going to set, you know, running gun set. Uh, I'm going to hang this spot. And I have this like mental switch, you know, you talked about mental setbacks where I walk into the woods and I'm confident. I'm just like, I'm killing a deer tonight. I'm, I'm the biggest, baddest thing in this woods and I'm going to kill tonight. Like that's how I approach every hunt, like just extreme confidence going into the best spots. And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, well, then it, then, um, I got to question why. And, and maybe it's just, Hey, they just didn't come through that night, whatever. Um, what's your mindset or confidence level going into, uh, you know, a hunt, uh, whether it's like, uh, in your backyard or whether it's on a, a four day out of state hunt. Oh man. Confidence is important. I mean, it, it really is like that, that second guessing and just not being sure of yourself. Yeah. That is just a success killer. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm pretty confident, but I mean, it's funny because you know, I'm, I'm sure like you, you know, I, I stay pretty confident when I go out there. I I'm usually trying to go into a situation where I'm like really confident. Like, yeah. Hey, Hey, this, this could happen tonight. You know, like, you know, it's probably not going to, but it could. Mm -hmm. And you, and you believe that, but you know, that kind of stands in like, it's, it's, it's almost contradictory in a way. Cause you know, you could go out and you will go out and you'll blank at some point and you'll go out and you might have, you might string together two weeks where you just can't make anything happen, you know, it's just, it's just not working for you. Yeah. But you know, like it, eventually if you stick to it, that's, it's going to happen. And that, that comes from just making it happen at some point. And it, you know, the more that you have that, you know, the more that you have those seasons where something eventually goes right, like that one out of, you know, 30, 40 sits, 50 sits, whatever you got into it and everything comes together boy, that goes a long way next year when you're thinking about like, all right, now I'm going in here and I'm carrying this set in. And I, you know, I found these rubs last year in this little spot. And just the more you put together that way to be confident, the better you'll be. Yeah. Are you more of a go with your gut guy or are you a make a decision through, you know, antiquated uh, data that's that you have from all the years and all the experience and, and all that stuff? Uh, I'm, I try to be, go with your gut as much as possible because I don't do well hunting off of memories. Yeah. Like, and I, and I don't, I don't know. I, I learn every single year that I fall in love with my scouting and I go, it's, it's going to happen here. Like yeah. this is the spot. And it, it almost never does once in a while you get that stuff, right. You know, especially if you can really learn a property over, over years, sometimes you just go, 
man, November 7th through 10th, whatever, like this is the place. Like I just, if I put in my time and the wind works with me, it's over. But a lot of times you just, you do that e-scouting and you're like, man, it, it, this is it. It's going to be it. And you walk in, you go, now nah, there's cattle all over in here or you just not, it's not getting your spidey senses tingling. And so when you, when you do that enough and you just get it wrong enough, you kind of go, okay, how did I feel when I walked into here? Or I'm just going to take a flyer and go walk through that wood lot. And you get in there and it's covered in sign. You go, oh, now, now I'm on it. And I wasn't, all that work I did <laughs> didn't matter. Now it's here. Or, you know, you sit there and you see deer just do something that you're like, what? why are they over there? Like, why are they in that drainage ditch in the middle of the field when they should be in this beautiful wood lot I'm in? And there's a reason for it. And it's time to move and get on the ground and kill one. I mean, it that kind of stuff happens all the time. And it just teaches you... Like really just pay attention to what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's that time of year, right? We're, we're talking about pressure, but this is a different kind of pressure or stress more on the relationship side of things. And that is, I have a wife and I have three kids. When I go away, she's left with my crazy kids all by herself, right? So I want to know what does Tony Peterson do to calm that stress when you're gone and your wife has to take care of the kids. Uh, you're gone for multiple days, and like for me, it's it's not just go to school, come home, feed them at night. She's got to take them to practices and dance and and all the other activities just without me there. So how do you prepare not only yourself for that but your wife for that as well and kids? Well, that is a, uh, that's a tricky one. Uh, any of the young recently married or soon to be married, uh, guys listen to this, pay attention. Cause this is the most, you're going to make some mistakes on this one, man. And it's, this is a tough one because hunting is like really personal. Even, you know, guys like you and I have made this our business and we put this out there for the world to see, but at the same time, for most people, this is a highly personal thing. And so you're, you're doing this for yourself. Nobody else really benefits from you going out and hunting. I mean, there's, there's some satellite benefits to people as far as meat and like us being happier and things yeah. like that. Like, I don't, I don't mean to minimize it that way, but you have to understand, you know, like, I, I don't know about your wife, but like my wife doesn't really give a shit what I shoot. Like she yeah. likes to eat meat a lot. Like she yeah. likes venison and she's happy for me when I kill, but you know, it, this is for me. And so one of the first things that I learned that I hated and I fought for a long time was she needs to be where she can be happy and have support. Mm -hmm. So people ask me all the time, like, why do you live in the suburbs of the Twin Cities? I'm like, listen, I don't want to live here. I don't like this place a whole lot. But my wife has really good family here and my little girls have their cousins and their aunts and uncles and grandma and grandpa. And she has a really good support network here. So when I'm gone and she's, she's keeping everything together, she has people she can call. Like, yeah. you know, we just heard my dog barking a little bit ago on this. That's because my father-in-law brought the girls back from basketball camp so I can be on this podcast. That stuff goes a long way. Like if, if yeah. you don't have that kind of support, it's, it's a lot harder to leave your spouse at home with those kids, you know? So the other thing that I do is... Like if my wife's like, I want to go have a girls weekend or do, I'm like, I never say no. Absolutely. As long as I, if I don't have something going on that, that I have to be at some kind of work thing or something, I'm like, go, you, you take your time, you go do your thing, you go nuts. Cause you know, I'm going to, Yeah. and it's just, it's, it's only fair. And so, and it, you know, and there's other things too. Like if, if, you know, my wife's like, I want to take the girls to Disney world. I'm like, okay, let's do that. Like I did, because so much of my life is like kind of selfish, like in, in this way. And you, you know, you can justify it by being part of the business. Like if I don't go yeah. and shoot deer, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a landscaper next week. Like that's just how it's going to happen. And, but at the same time, like you gotta, you gotta understand like this is for me. So what's for you? And I don't know. I, I know I'm rambling on this, but I've, I've dealt with this a lot and I, I've been with buddies and I, I'm sure you've seen this where we've gone on a trip even like a turkey trip for like a long weekend somewhere, they'll get a phone call from their wife and she's not happy. 
and the entire tone of their trip changes. And those are the trips that you come home from early Mm -hmm. or, you know, you go that, that dream elk hunt. This is what a lot of people run into with elk hunts, especially they build it up in their head and they forget, you know, like, okay, you can get yourself in badass shape. You can have all the best gear. You can be shooting like crazy. You know how to call you've scouted the whole thing. But if you leave a dumpster fire at home, somehow work or family, that trip sucks Yes. or it, it doesn't, it's not what it needs to be. And that, like, I hate to say this, man, but like, you kind of can't learn that unless you do it to yourself and you're like, wow, I really, I really screwed that one up. Like, I don't, I don't want to do that again. Right. Right. Man. And I tell you what, it took me a very long time. And I'll, t- I'll tell you this right now, if it wasn't for me making a living through the hunting I probably would not be able to get away with going as many places hunting than I would if I was sitting in a cubicle somewhere, you know, or on a factory line, you know. Yep. But, like, I have educated her and have let her know. And I I tell you what, just to be completely honest and open with everybody, I had to have a, a conversation with her, a very tough one, and she was not happy with me speaking my mind on this, and that was... Listen, when it is day two or three into the the hunt and you are frustrated with the kids and you call me and you vent and tell me how lucky I am and all this other stuff and all, you know, like that, that puts this unwanted stress on me that I can't control when I'm, you know, 800 miles away, yep. deal with it. Like, you're just going to have to lie to me and deal with it because <laughs> because I can't do anything ex- except now change my tone. Now, instead of thinking how I'm going to stock in on this uh, bedded buck, I am now think I'm, I'm making the stock, but thinking about what is going on at home. And that will ruin things very fast. Oh, dude, it's. Everybody goes through that. Yeah. And it's, you know, I mean, you do it. You you did exactly what I did with the business side of things. You know, like we're in a weird space for a lot of reasons. Yeah. You know, like nobody, if you were just like a traveling salesman, you know, people, your wife would be like, oh, you're going to sell knives and fill out or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. like it would just be accepted part of your job. This is a weird one Mm because we're doing the thing we love. And so it just, it comes with different stuff, but it's the, the lesson that you got there or that you you know you gave out there it, anybody who travels to hunt can learn from that yeah because it's it's important and you man when you get to that place with your spouse where they're they they respect this time when you're gone it's yeah. so awesome like i you know my wife she won't call me like if i'm if i'm on a trip and you know, I've got five days or seven days or something like that. Unless something catastrophic happens, mm-hmm. she'll just send a check-in text and everything's rosy. Yeah. And then, you know, when we're chatting, when I'm driving home, she'll be like, oh, yeah, your daughter got bit by a dog. And it was this whole, and it, you know, <laughs> like, holy shit. But, and that's happened. Like, I don't, I'm not making that up. Like, it, or, you know, yeah, my car broke down and my dad had to, you know, like, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, but she knows it doesn't do us any good to take me out of the game. Yeah. When, when, if you can keep me in and I can hunt better, I'll be home earlier anyway, maybe. Yeah. And like you said, when you're 800 miles away, man, it's pretty hard to put out those fires. That's a fact. That is a fact. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, that and it's right now. Like, do you do anything before? I mean, you say yes a lot. And I, I've, I've learned to do the same thing where you want to go on a week uh, trip with your girlfriends? Go. No questions asked. Yes. You want to go out to dinner with your friends tonight? Yes. No questions asked because I know that when it is time, like my, the season dates don't change. They're going to be this way forever, right? Like first two weeks in November, three weeks in November, don't make plans because I'm not going to be there right now. There's other times throughout where I may sacrifice. Let's say it's uh, early October. Maybe it's, you know, I don't know. I know I have a weekend coming up uh, in a, or a trip coming up. I'll probably lay off and I'll maybe go to tailgate with her or go out to dinner with her or, or do some pumpkin patch thing. By the way, I hate pumpkin <laughs> patches. I freaking hate going yeah. to pumpkin patches. 
But I go because I love my family and I love my kids and, uh, and my wife, and I do it for them. So that way I can just burn all the bridges in the rest of October, <laughs> November, and then rebuild them throughout the rest of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you just have to. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's the right way to do it. And, you know, I mean, eventually you can get to the point like I'm I'm really sort of entering the life stage now where I can bring my daughters along. Yeah. And have have some some of that going on. So yeah. it's a different thing than just leaving and leaving the whole thing to my wife. Yeah. Um, so and, and, you know, you just got to figure it out. You yeah. just got to figure out how to both be happy. And it, I mean, that's that's what you know, I've been preaching this on the hunting side of things a lot lately. And maybe this sounds stupid, but. Like, man, we own our own happiness. Like nobody else oh, yeah. is really going to make you like other people can make you unhappy. You know, like your spouse can make you unhappy in a hurry if she wants to. But we really kind of own our own happiness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that comes with sacrifice. Right. So like if it makes your wife happy to go to a pumpkin patch, like, man, I hate I hate them, too. Like, yeah, I I can't I, walking into a pumpkin patch like or like that kind of that kind of <laughs> outing yeah i'd rather put rocks in my pockets and wade into the pond man like i, I hate it but it's not about me you know and exactly. like, like you said you're just buying some capital to get into that tree stand at some point exactly and you just got to figure out like what you know what can you do long game so you're happy she's happy the kids are happy you've you've given that your all and you've given the woods your all and it, you found that balance and it's man it it sounds easy when you describe it but this is something that's really hard if you're yeah. really driven to hunt yeah yeah and it took several years of this like you see her flip the calendar from august to september <laughs> and then you see all the marks on the calendar and then she she's like okay well let me check october oh october and she check you know, like all these blackout dates as she's going and then you can just see the stress creep in <laughs> on her face and you're like, Oh, here we go again. It has started. <laughs> yep. So well, you know So go ahead. Uh let me ask you this though yeah. then. Is it, your wife doesn't hunt, right? Um you know, she doesn't. I'm I'm gonna throw her in the doesn't hunt category with an asterisk because she she would go hunting if she had the the heated ground blind or the ladder stand, the double ladder stand over a pristine food plot where she's like, I, I don't want to shoot a doe. I just want to shoot a big buck. And I'm just like, listen, I'm not going to sit here and explain to you how that's probably not possible. But at the same time, like it just it like it doesn't work that way. Right. Yeah. It doesn't work. You just don't go out and shoot big bucks. Um, but. So for like five or six years in a row, she went out and just dropped turkeys, like just boom, dead, like just drilled them. And now all of a sudden she's just like, you know what? I've done it. I'm not too terribly interested in it anymore, which I think is probably a good thing. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask you because my wife is in the same category. She she doesn't she wouldn't shoot a deer, but she shot turkeys and yeah. she'll go. You know, if it's a beautiful, you know, she, she's not getting up at sunrise. Like, you know, she'll go for an yep. afternoon sit or something. But it's just, I always, I always think about that with, you know, guys like you and guys like me. Like, would I rather have her just be just totally ate up with this stuff and going along or staying home? And I, I like selfishly, I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm, I'm glad she has other stuff going on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like I need this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think it works perfect, right? Like, would I honestly, would I love to go out and have my wife be some kind of hardcore hunter and spend time with her and like, uh, like approach hunting like I would with one of my buddies? Absolutely. I, I feel that would be fun. Yep. But at the same time, it's either that or it's like, I, I, I wouldn't want any of this halfway in type thing because then it's just like you're choosing the best times to go and I want to go at the same time. And it's kind of an all or nothing thing for me. And I'm glad it's nothing at this point. Um, yeah. And when her 100% things comes up, I'll be nothing on it too. And uh, she, you know, I'll just watch the kids and, you know, teach them dad I, I, stuff. I think that's a good approach, buddy. Yeah. Yep. 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 Well, I tell you what, Tony, I, you know, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and BS around a little bit. Um, let me, let me be one of the first to wish you good luck on this upcoming season. And I, I hope you slay. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, buddy. This has been a lot of fun, man. 
And there you have it. Another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Tony. Thank you very much for hopping on. I know you've been busy, man. So uh, kudos to you. Uh, Good luck this season. Good luck to each and every one of you. I mean this from the bottom of my heart, man. I hope you are all successful and I hope you all get out there and hunt your freaking balls off, dude. Or vaginas if you're, uh, I don't don't know. I don't want to get any deeper than that. Just if you're a man or a woman, hunt hard, okay? Uh, (laughs) Other than that, man, huge shout out to the partners uh, of this podcast. They make this all possible, and that is Ozonix, Lone Wolf, Exodus, Excalibur, Wasp, Vortex, and Hunt Stand. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. And last but not least, man, it's all about positive energy and good vibes, man. Um, Sometimes life will throw you a shit sandwich, and there's only one way to deal with it. You can throw it away, but it's going to stink up your garbage. You can ignore it. It's going to stink up your house. Just eat that son of a bitch and do it in the most positive manner that you can and show that shit sandwich who's boss. Of course, this is an example. I don't really want you guys eating feces sandwiches. With that said, good vibes in, good vibes out, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.